Today, being the second Lord's Day in our new year of ministry as a church, I want to do what I normally do at a time like this. And that is to remind those of you who are members of Calvary Bible Church, as well as to inform those of you who might be new or visitors as to why we are here and why we do what we do. I think it's important for us to be reminded of our mission as a local body of Christ. And by the way, I want to say how uh, saddened I was that I couldn't be here last week for the dedication. And because I was looking forward to the time, especially of the dedication with Michelot and of course receiving into our uh, deacon's board, uh, our brother Elwood as well. Two tremendous men of God, and we thank God for them. Friday night was the first official meeting with the young people, and we thank God for his presence there and the beginning of a new ministry here. So please continue to pray for Michelo, and of course for Jen, because without Jen, Michelo was like me. It ain't nothing much, all right? But I thank God for both of them, uh, I thank God for, for both of those men, and you need to do that as well. They, we must, they must be seen as gifts to the body of Christ. They are gifts. And let us remember that we need to honor one another as the Lord honors us through gifting us. Amen? Amen. But we want to look at our purpose for being here. Why we are doing what we are doing as a local body of believers. I want to begin by stating what I call Calvary's mandate as I see it. And this is how I explained my philosophy of ministry when I first came here in another part of the galaxy, in another whatever that was, long ago. Uh, and we have been holding true to that philosophy. And I want to explain it again. All of these will be simply summary statements, but they'll give you some idea of what we're doing. All right, let's begin then by stating what I call Calvary's mandate as I see it from the Word of God. I believe that this mandate is not only true of Calvary Bible Church, by the way, but true of every local church because I believe it's based on the Word of God. We've just put the words together a little differently. Calvary's Bible Church's mandate. Would you read this with me? To lovingly, dynamically, represent Jesus Christ in completing his ministry of spiritual redemption, spiritual perfecting, and social compassion toward all people until he returns. This, I believe, is a compressed, summarized summary. Now that means you can't get anything smaller than this. This is a compressed, summarized summary of what I see the mission of the church to be. It is concisely comprehensive in that it contains, in a nutshell, the mission of the church. Let me give you then another concise, summarized, biblical summary of how and why we do what we're doing here at Calvary Bible Church. It's a biblical passage that you're familiar with. Would you read this with me? We proclaim him, Jesus Christ, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. 
That's a fantastic passage of scripture. Perfect here can be translated as mature or complete. Spiritually mature or spiritually complete. This is what I've given my entire life to. To fulfill this goal. That my ministry might help to mature the believer. To perfect them in Christ. As Paul mentions here. Here's how we translated this into a mission statement now. In other words, taking the concept here of proclaiming, preaching Jesus Christ. Teaching so that we might present everyone mature in Christ. This is how we have translated this and call it the overview, mission, and vision statement. Now you may read along with me if you so desire. As a reflection of our passion to worship and glorify the triune God, Calvary Bible Church strives to make an eternal, visible impact upon all peoples within our mission potential, both local and worldwide, by helping the lost to become Christians through faith alone in Christ alone. That's evangelism. Secondly, nurturing Christians to grow into spiritual maturity in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And thirdly, that's what we call edification. And equipping mature Christians to serve Christ, both within the church and outward toward the lost, and hurting people in the world in which we live. This is what we call equipping for leadership, or equipping or training. Our mission then, is to purposely implement the biblical process that will more effectively and assuredly transform believers into mature disciples of Jesus Christ to the glory of God. That's what all of our efforts, that's what all of our strength is placed into to bring this about. That's our vision. That's our mission statement as we see it from the word of God. Now, here's an overall purpose statement, and then we'll bring it all together for you. Now, it's actually threefold, as I see from the scripture, the purpose of the church. So here's our statement of overall purpose, and you could read this along with me as well. I'm doing this because we want you to be always aware of why we are here and why we're doing what we're doing. Read along with me, please. The ultimate purpose of Calvary Bible Church is to glorify God as, in obedience to his word and through the illumination and enablement of the Holy Spirit, we seek to continue the redemptive ministry of his son, Jesus Christ, in this world. That's our general purpose. In all its spiritual, physical, and emotional aspects, to the full extent And to give evidence of our subjection to the headship of Jesus Christ through the manifestation of the indwelling Holy Spirit in our individual and corporate life. That's what I call the immediate purpose. This, by the way, is what distinguishes the church from a business organization and a spiritual organism. The growth comes from within and it, it impacts each other. And as a person is impacted, they impact someone else. That's how the work is done. And we'll explain that in 
a little while. Now, how is this to be accomplished? Well, we believe this is accomplished through certain specific goals. Here they are. This is a statement of our overall goals. Now, please read it with me again, if you will. The overall goal of Calvary Bible Church is to continue the threefold ministry of Christ on earth. First, to aggressively evangelize the lost with the intent of leading them to faith alone in Christ alone. Secondly, to consistently nurture believers to become spiritually mature disciples so that they reflect Christ's likeness in every area of life. Let me stop before we read the third one. Notice, to become spiritually mature disciples so they reflect Christ's likeness in every area of life. That's the final goal and objective for the ministry, to make you Christ-like. We don't want to see this place filled up with people just so we can say we've got a thousand people coming, but they're not living Christ-like. No, no, no. From a biblical perspective, we want fruit that lasts. And fruit that lasts is genuine fruit. When it comes to spiritual life, it has to do with those who are Christ-like. And so personally, I do not measure the effectiveness or success of the Calvary Bible Church by how many people come out or how many people leave. I judge the effectiveness and success of Calvary Bible Church by how many people are behaving Christ-like. That's it. Christ-like. That's the goal. That's the purpose of the whole thing. And it is our desire that everyone who comes under the ministry of Calvary Bible Church, that as a result of that ministry, will become Christ-like. Now, number three. Please read this one. And to so equip them that they are enabled to minister effectively, both to other members of the body of Christ, so as to affect the qualitative growth of the body, and to the world of unbelievers, both at home and abroad, so as to affect the quantitative growth of the body. So what we're saying here is we see actually the local church almost as a training ground, a training school if you want. Individuals who do not know Jesus Christ as Savior are won to Christ by those who do. Not in the church, but outside. In the neighborhood, in the office, in your workplace, in your school. This is one of the unique emphasis that we've had here in the ministry. We do not believe that the major emphasis of evangelism should be done within the church. It's your business as individual believers, as witnesses of Christ, to evangelize where you are and then bring them into the church. The church is where they are nurtured, where they are trained to go out and do the same thing. That's the model, and that's the model we follow. Not everybody understands that, but I trust that you will as we continue to teach it from the Word of God. But now, how are these goals to be realized? I believe they can be realized by following these objectives. And so I call this the statement of our overall objectives. Again, please read along with me if you will. The overall goal of Calvary Bible Church shall be accomplished through the active, consistent, and prayerful ministry of the spiritual leadership of the church by providing adequate opportunities for members of the body 
to accomplish the following four objectives. And we're going to stop there for a moment. Because what is underlined here is the importance of qualified leadership. If you don't have this, the rest fails. If you don't have men who are committed to building disciples, to proper instruction of the word, caring for them and so on, providing the opportunities for believers to grow, it just won't happen. You must have men who are qualified spiritually and men who are willing to do the work of the ministry. The Bible teaches that the work of a ministry is hard work. I'm not sure as hard as lifting boxes, but it's hard work. That's why Paul insists that those who lead and who are leading well be taken care of by the local body. Especially, he says, what? Those who work hard. You see. And so we're saying here, it's important for us to select men who fill the qualifications of Scripture. Otherwise, the work won't go on. And that's why I always like to say, I remember when I was in a uh, meeting in, in Racine, and we were talking to our elders of this. If there is work to be done, and work that should be done as elders, and you don't do it, then you shouldn't be an elder. If you are unable to do it, but willing to do it, then you should be trained. You see? And that's our position. Because the scripture teaches you're only an elder and a pastor as long as you're eldering and pastoring. In other words, it's not a position, it's a work. And if you're not doing the work, even though you might have the name, you're not a pastor, you're not an elder. And we need to understand that. So this is important here. The choosing of men who are qualified to do the work and willing to do the work sacrificially. Here are the goals. Objective number one. To personally and corporately encounter the triune God through meaningful worship experiences in an atmosphere of acceptance, belonging, and spiritual freedom, so as to provide for developing and expressing personal worship in prayer, songs of praise, adoration, admonition, and making melody in our hearts to the Lord and in celebration of the Lord's Supper, doing of good deeds, ministering of spiritual gifts, and joyful giving of financial resources. All of those items there are listed here in the Word of God as what believers should be doing as an act of worship. I've said this before and I say it again. If it's anything I would like to be remembered for in any of my ministry is that I was at least giving some teaching to individuals, to believers as to how to worship and what worship is. To me, that's the most essential element of the Christian life. And if we do not worship according to the word of God, then we will not grow as believers. Oh yeah, we'll have a lot of fun jumping around. Oh yeah, we'll be excited and everything else, but wouldn't be worship. It wouldn't be worship. And so one of the most important things for me in my teaching is to teach the true definition of worship. And remind us that our entire life is worship. Worship is a lifestyle. It's not only something we do here on Lord's Day morning at 11 o'clock, or try to do. 
It's a lifestyle, and we must see that. Now, the format, for instance, you say, how do we bring this about? How do we try that? Well, if you recall, we've done a lot of messages and teaching on worship. We've done that year after year after year. We continue to do that. Our AM service is actually following a format to teach you how to worship and to teach you what worship is. Now, many of you might not realize that, but that's what happens nonetheless. In other words, the format of our praise and worship is designed to help accomplish this objective of meaningful worship experience. Now, if you are observant, and I believe you, you are, you would have noticed that the majority of our songs are God-centered or God-focused, not man-centered. And we've done that deliberately because worship, if it's worship, is always God-focused, God-centered. Worship is never man-centered. If it's man-centered, then you're worshiping yourself. You understand what I'm saying? That's why we actually try to break it down. It's a little difficult in praise and worship. Praise is something when we go to God thanking him for what he's done for us and we focus on ourselves. All right? But when we come to worship, then our focus is towards him. And I thought it was beautifully demonstrated this morning with the hymns and the the way we did it today. You see? And you must see that. There's a time when you focus on God's blessing in your life. But when you do that, really, you're focusing upon yourself. Although you thank God, you're still focusing on yourself. But when you come to worship, you only focus on him, his character, his love, his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness, you see. And we try to emphasize that. That's why we give an opportunity to examine your hearts before or while you're worshiping. To be sure that your worship is in fact accepted by God. That's essentially, look at the scriptures. No one goes before God without that preparation. But unfortunately, you see in most churches, and I say this with sadness, that is not done. Most of the focus is on simply making the people feel good. We want to leave the church feeling good. Actually, the question we should ask is not how you felt about that service, but how do you think God felt about it? That's it. That's the key. And that's what we try to emphasize here. Notice the focus on spiritual freedom. So to provide for developing and expressing personal worship and prayer and so on. In other words, and it's very difficult, I got to admit that. We want to develop an atmosphere where people respond to God's spirit working in their lives during worship the way God directs them to. Not to tell them what to do. This is why Anton don't like me. Because I tell Anton, don't tell the people what to do. Don't tell them to raise the hand. Don't tell them to sit down. I mean, you know what I'm saying. We can tell you to sit down sometime, but you know what I'm saying. Don't say raise your hand and shout. Why? Why do you have to be told to do that? If you're going to worship and God wants you to raise your hand, raise your hand. If you're only going to raise your hand because Anthony and me say, raise your hand, you're not worshiping. But you need a freedom. And we do have it. You see Brother Clinton? Some others in the back? I just love that. But why are you scared to do it? 
A lady came to me and said, I have tambourines. Would you allow it? I say, if I would allow it. If you have tambourines and you bring it to church and God says, play the tambourines, play the tambourines. We want that freedom of expression. You understand what I'm saying? We're not here to tell you what you must do in order to worship. If you want to kneel, kneel. But do it because God tells you to do it, not just because you want to show off. You understand what I'm saying? We're trying to develop this freedom of expression to God when he speaks to you. So you won't be afraid to do it. A lot of you, and you know it, would want to raise hand, would want to clap. But you haven't been doing it all your life. And boy, I ain't going to do it now. Because look at that person over there. And they see me do it. What you doing, boy? <laughs> Worship has to be free. To respond to the leading of the Spirit of God. But make sure it's the Spirit of God, not your spirit. This is where preparation comes in. And this is why we have a time for confession. And I challenge you to find any other church in the Bahamas who does that. Because we've lost the true sense of what worship is. We try to teach that in what we do. Without having to say it all the time. Remember now, I'm explaining to you why we do what we do. And we do that in order to accomplish this worship experience here. We try to create an atmosphere where everyone feels free to express worship as led of the Spirit and in keeping with the Word of God. That's objective number one. In other words, worship is a means of accomplishing our overall goal to enable us to accomplish our overall purpose. Objective number two. To personally and corporately encounter the Word of God through effective expository teaching by spiritually qualified individuals who stand for the historic fundamental truth of the Bible and who through the Bible equip the saints for service for the building up of the body of Christ, foster unity of doctrine and fellowship, lead to increasing knowledge of the Son of God, to spiritual maturity measured by the statue of fullness of Christ and for protection against the deceitful scheming of Satan. In other words, I've tried to combine in this statement what the Bible says is the reason for preaching and teaching the Word of God. And this is a difficult thing. It really is. Because we have come to a point in our churches where we just don't care who preaches the Word. We don't care. There's no emphasis on if the person is gifted, if the person is able to do it. But hey, it's your turn. I don't believe the Bible teaches that. I believe the Bible talks about the gifts of Teachers, isn't that right? We have gifts, pastor teachers, those who are equipped to teach the word of God. Now it's hard to fill because you can't find too many. I'm going to be frank here. Why? Because it's hard work. You see, it's hard work. To preach the word, you must study the word of God. And to study the word of God is hard work. Now, i got to be careful how I say this because I don't want you to think I'm drawing attention to myself with this. You'll be amazed at when you all are sleeping that I'm still up trying to get ready for the message. And you know what I'm trying to do? I want to be sure that what I say to you is in keeping with the Word of God. That is not false teaching. It's not error. It's not just coming from the top of my head. 
But if anybody asks me a question about anything I preach, I'm able to answer it because I've studied it. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so when I study a passage, I say, now, what is the problem with this passage? What are some of the reasons that we could go off here? And I try to make sure that we could defend. So when we preach the word, we preach it not as the word of man, but as the word of God for what it is. So I got to be candid here. This is a very difficult objective to consistently fulfill, simply because we don't have many gifted men around to do the job. It is simple as that. Some men say, oh, no, no, mind, get anybody. They sincere. You know, they love the word. No, no, well, that's fine. You could do the teaching in small groups, but not in a session, not in a way like this. It has to be done by men who are gifted of God. I believe that with all my heart. And that's what we try to do here. So exp- expositional teaching, what does that mean? That means that we get the truth that we teach from the word. We don't bring what we want to the word. You understand what I'm saying? We get the word from the word. Not take our own ideas to the word. That's objective number two. Objective number three. Read this one with me, please. To personally... Now, this fellowship here, this is the Greek word kononia. And if some of you recall, we tried to emphasize the true meaning of this from when we first came here, and we had kononia feast. We talked about uh, what kononia was all about. Fellowship, unfortunately, most people think simply get together, have some kong salad, have some donuts, and then you have fellowship. That's not what the Bible is talking about. Now, I don't mean you can't bring no, no Kong salad when you have fellowship with me, mine. You could bring the Kong salad. <laughs> but what I mean, that's not what he's talking about. Fellowship has to do with caring for the needs of one another. That's what the idea is. Where the word is first presented is in Acts chapter 2, when it talks about the people uh, um, saying that they didn't count their possessions as their own, but they gave as they have need. That's kononia. And you see, that's what we need to focus on right now. What I was talking about today, in your giving to help meet disease, that's kononia. When you give to help the need of a saint, that's kononia. That's fellowship. That's when you are fellowshipping, you're getting into the problem, the difficulties of the person who's experiencing those difficulties. You see, this has to do with caring for one another, loving one another. And as members of the body of Christ, this is what we have to do if we are going to grow organically. There's too much emphasis on mechanic, doing things mechanically. You see, it should be an automatic flowing out of our lives to care for people. What God has given you that you do not have to use for yourself is given to you could use it to help others. That's fellowship. Now, of course... Sometimes to demonstrate this fully is very difficult in a large setting like this. This is one of the reasons for, not the only one, mind you, for the many churches. Because in that setting, you can really care for one another personally. We're a small group of people. Take it upon themselves. Whatever the needs of any member of this group is, we're going to care for. We don't have to bring it to the big church as it is. We're going to care for. And that's what we're still hoping to accomplish. One of our needs right now is for... Uh, leaders. 
for many churches. And, uh, and so I'm asking you as men and women, uh, husband and wife especially, to pray as to whether or not God would have you to be a part of this ministry, to help bring it about and to help enhance it and to make it more effective so that we could be able to say that there's not a member of Calvary Bible Church who has a need that is not met by their members. That's what Cononia is all about. Fellowship is a means of accomplishing our overall goal to enable us to accomplish our overall purpose, which is what? What is the ultimate purpose? To glorify God. All of these things help us to do that. Fourth objective. Help me, please read this with me as well. To personally... Notice here now, evangelism has broken down into missions and social outreach. We believe that is all a part of it. But here is where the difference comes from my emphasis. The evangelistic outreach socially should be being done by each of you every day in your neighborhood. In your neighborhood. If you know of a need in your neighborhood, that lady, that man has lost his job, and don't have money to buy groceries, you should be helping that person. That's an evangelistic work. You understand what I'm saying? See, I'm talking here. You see, we, we looked at evangelism as what I do. In other words, if you want to evangelize, go give out a track. You don't care whether you drink, whether you die. I, no, let me take that back. Whether you are carousing or whatever it is. You go give it out a track, you're evangelizing. That's not true. You're evangelizing every moment of your life as a believer. The point is, how are you evangelizing? You are a witness every moment of your life. The point is, are you a good witness or are you a bad witness? Giving out tracts, knocking on doors, that does not mean that you're evangelizing. Evangelizing comes from a heart that is overflowing with the love and the goodness of God and you want to share it with somebody else. That's it. It's a way of life, the same way worship is. It's not just coming up and preaching the gospel. That's evangelism. No, 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 no. It's your reaching out to a neighbor because the love of Christ is constraining you to do it for that purpose. That's the most powerful way that you and I can evangelize. And that's what we want to emphasize. A lifestyle evangelism. Wherever you are, in your school, in your home, in your work. I talked to someone uh, some time ago said... When I mention a name, I want them to be a part of a group you're forming. He say, that person? Is that person a Christian? He say, yeah. Say, man, I've been working with him for 15 years. And they didn't know he was a Christian. I can't see that. Working with someone for 15 years. I don't know they're Christians. That person was a witness, but he wasn't a good one. And so we emphasize it from that perspective. Now, let me give you the famous overall diagram. You have it on your bulletin. You have it all the time. And remember, we're just trying to remind you of why we are here and doing what we're doing. In order to give you an idea that, hey, these little things you're doing, when you come out to prepare for worship, when you come out to prepare to teach at the one and the, you are doing these things so you could glorify God. It isn't something just to irritate you, something just to put in time, let me get rid of it and say, I'm doing something good. No, 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 no. The overall purpose, the ultimate purpose for all of these activities is to glorify God. 
And if you're not doing it with that purpose, you shouldn't be doing it. Here is a diagram. Calvary's Bible Church's purpose and mission to glorify the triune God. How? By completing the ministry of Jesus Christ on earth. How do you do that? By evangelizing the lost and discipling believers toward Christ's likeness. How do you do that? Here with the means, by providing members with opportunities for personal encounter with the triune God through worship, the word of God through instruction, the people of God through fellowship, and the world God loves through evangelism. When this is done, God is glorified. That's the ultimate purpose. Completing the ministry of Jesus Christ is the general purpose or goal. Evangelizing the lost and discipling believers toward Christ-likeness is the immediate purpose or objective. That, in a nutshell, is why we're here and why we're doing what we're doing. Now, I put this together as a vision as well, saying the same thing but in different ways. You know, there's a passage in the Bible, Proverbs 29, 18, it says in the King James Version, what does it say? Where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, unfortunately, that translation has caused a lot of misrepresentation. People take that word vision and say it means a big idea that a leader has, a big plan. I got a big plan for this church. I got a big vision. I'm going to put up this Sunday school building. I'm going to put up that. I'm going to get the bus. That's the vision God has given me. If you don't follow this vision that God has given me, you're going to perish. That's a misuse of scripture to say the least. The real meaning of that passage, a literal translation is where there's no word from God, the people go astray. That word vision means revelation. You understand what I'm saying? And what it says, where there's no word from God, the people go their own way. So it's the word of God that gives us the direction that we should go. Here is a statement of vision. Calvary Bible Church exists to glorify God. Please read this with me. Calvary Bible Church. Respond with the compassion of Christ. this. Notice what it says. The hope that is in Christ as an extension and manifestation of the loving church community we experience as members of Calvary Royal Church. In other words, what we are doing in our outreach is simply saying, hey man, listen, I am enjoying so many good things here in this local body. I want you to come to be a part of it. See, in other words, we are sharing God's goodness. We are sharing out of God's grace towards us. That's what we have to do with our outreach. Now, let's finish it. We will, through faith, 
seek to reproduce in others the work Christ is performing in our personal and collective lives as disciples of Christ, so that together we may grow towards a kind of spiritual maturity. This is organic church life. It's an overflow of God's work in our lives. It's not simply saying, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do this, you got to do that. We can have people do all kinds of things, go through all kinds of courses, and still not be Christ-like. Still not grow in faith. Still not grow in grace. But we want to see it, like it says in Ephesians, where every part is doing its work. And we are causing the growth of the body. When you read that passage, you'll see it's not the leaders who cause the growth of the body. It's not the leaders. That's a mistaken idea. People have the idea that the ones who are responsible for maturing the body is the pastors and teachers. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that it's you and me as we are equipped by the pastors and teachers to do it. Read it carefully. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. You'll see that. As each member does its part, the body grows. Isn't that right? Each member. In other words, you as an individual member are vitally important to the growth of Calvary Bible Church. If you want to see how far Calvary Bible Church has grown spiritually, look at your own life. If you are a member of this body. And if you are ashamed or not satisfied with your spiritual life, then you have to put it right if you see Calvary Bible Church is going to grow. You are a hindrance if you are not spiritually growing. You are a hindrance to the growth of Calvary Bible Church. Each one of us is important to the growth. All right. Here's a statement of commitment then. Let me read it first, and then if you'd like, you can read it again with me. The supreme mission of the church, and so also of every individual believer, is to glorify God and to serve Him forever. The scriptures are very clear on that. Therefore, if what we do as the church or as individuals cannot serve the glory of God, it would not be done. We should not engage in anything that we know will not be for the glory of God. No matter how much it might hurt someone else. If it's not done for the glory of God, then do it. Somebody say, yeah, but if you do that, man, that person is going to hurt. And he's been here for a long time. She's been here for a long time. They hurt that person. Well, do you prefer to hurt the person or do you prefer to hurt God and grieve the Spirit of God? That's what it comes down to. Our overall purpose or goals and objectives set forth our philosophy of the local church and its ministry. This in turn must form the foundation for our thinking and activities as a body of people. It directs us in what we ought to be doing. Anything which does not contribute to the philosophy of our purpose, goals, and objectives should then be either corrected, rejected, or eliminated from the activities of the church. We're saying that the only thing we should be engaged in at all times is things that glorify God. If that isn't the case, get rid of them. Don't implement them. Let's finish up this one. If we do not unite in our vision, we will fail in our mission. In other words, we've got to believe that this is true. And so, here is my vision, Calvary Bible Church. I see a passionately worshiping, diligently learning, unselfishly loving, deeply caring, indiscriminatingly serving family whose only reason for living is to glorify the triune God. That's my vision. Calvary Bible Church. Now, this is it. You've seen it before. That's it in a nutshell. You've seen it. 
Now we've demonstrated this before in years gone by from that this is in fact, we believe, true to the word of God. So here is the vision, here is the mission, here is the purpose. So I ask you again as we close. Do you see what I see? If we do not unite in our vision, we will fail in our mission. So then I ask you, do you see what I see? If we do not unite in our vision, we will fail in our mission. So will you be able to stand with me and repeat this vision with rather than I and say we. Those of you who agree now, I'm not going to plus you. You don't want to do it, sit. Those of you who would, please stand with me and let's read this together as we close. We I say, let's help him do it together. Sila, think and act on these things.